The following podcast contains spoilers for Worth. You have been warned! What's up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of KFR News Radio. This is your host, Glenjamin Button, along with your host, Miguel Megusto. Glenn, I'm worried. What are you worried about, my boy? You sound like you're stuck in a well or a cavern of some kind. <laughs> well, wouldn't you like to know? I would. Uh, I mean, I already know, but for this bit, <laughs> I would like to know. <laughs> for this bit, it just is a... Well, I, I fell into a, a deep state of, of a hole called moving into a new home. Oh. So the one, uh, my old one that I'm currently recording in is very, very empty mm-hmm. compared to what it used to be. Um, there's only a dresser in this desk here. Um, mm. And I'm holding a towel over my head the best I can to block out any other noise. But there's still a little bit of an echo, but it's whatever. It's like, it's like the days when I was in Virginia. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Please forgive us uh, for the quality of his audio uh it's not a normal thing it won't be a normal thing it will not mm-hmm. continue but it does remind us of remind me of the early days of uh, uh how we started out how we started out but anyway glenn mm-hmm. i already know the answer to this but how many movies did you see last week i saw two what and there's no extra ones it's just two we watched no way for the review and then the review that's right mm-hmm. Uh, so we had watched Bodies, Bodies, Bodies on Thursday and got a review up on that bad boy. I didn't get to watch it because I was up in New York uh, helping people get married and stuff. Uh, but I will get on that soon. So you might be watching it before me. Can Consider yourself lucky, you bastards. It is. And, uh, of course, the last movie that I watched was Worth, which we will get into in a bit after you tell me your spiel oh, you of know. what you watched, my man. You know, I just watched 11 movies. No big deal. No big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, I started off with the Lord of the Rings trilogy. That's three right there. Fellowship <laughs> of the Ring, Two Towers, Return of the King. These are movies that are in the 1001 Movies You Must See Before You Die. Will be included in the Cinema Bucket List episode in September. Uh, so check out what I thought there. Uh, but it's Lord of the Rings. It's it's a trilogy that you know took the world by storm in the early two thousands. You know what uh, it's about, people. Come exactly. on. Exactly. Uh, then we watched Bodies, Bodies, Bodies together. Like you said, we have a review for that on the YouTube's, so you can check out our thoughts on that there. Then I watched with my boy, mm-hmm. my, my boy, an extremely mm. goofy movie because we watched a goofy movie last week. You might as well just do both. <laughs> Had to show him an extremely goofy movie because it's extremely <laughs> goofy. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's an extremely goofy movie. If you haven't seen it, you probably would never will. But it's, <laughs> yeah. it's uh, I, I enjoy it. Uh, then I watched a movie called 48 Hours with, uh, I believe it's Nick Nolte and uh, Eddie, uh, Eddie Murphy. Yeah, Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy. Oh, so yeah. Kind of like a buddy cop movie where Eddie Murphy is a uh, prisoner that uh, Nick Nolte gets out for 48 hours to try to help him catch someone. Uh, really fun movie. Um, Eddie Murphy is surprisingly like not hilarious in it, but it's also not supposed to be super hilarious. Yeah, he has funny moments, but it's de- it's definitely like a, a straighter role for him. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed that. 
Then for the 1001 movies you must see before you die, uh, Cinema Bucket List September episode, I watched Juliet of the Spirits. You can find out what I thought on that in September. Uh, it was directed by Federico Fellini, uh, the first Federico Fellini movie I've ever seen, which you know many people would be surprised by, but he's a... Glenn, I don't know if you know him, but he's a very uh, famous Italian director from the, I believe, 60s and 70s. I might be off there. Um, but this if, movie a, was, if, if a movie was named, I might remember it. Uh, eight and a half hours, I think, or eight and a half, something like eight and a half. Nope. I don't know. We're, we're, we're going to get past it because mm-hmm. uh, that's like the sake. only movie that I've heard of. So Yeah. But uh, yeah, he's a very famous director that uh, is just one of the directors that I haven't seen anything except for Juliet of the Spirits. Uh, but you can find out what I thought on that in September. Then my uncle has been in town from California. Uh, oh, my man. And he loves going to the Bryn Mawr Film Institute with me because mm-hmm. they have, in his words, the best popcorn ever. It is pretty delish, I must say. Like last time he was here, we went to see Pulp Fiction because it was the only thing worthy of seeing at the time he was here. Mm-hmm. And after he finished his popcorn, he was like, you know, I've already seen Pulp Fiction. I could ju- We could just go. Uh <laughs> Because he only wanted the popcorn. <laughs> uh, we, we ended up staying for the whole movie, but he, he loves the popcorn. And it's really good. So It's so good. If you're in the area, go to Bryn Mawr Film Institute and get some of their popcorn. Uh, but we watched Fire of Love, which is a documentary about volcanologists who uh, were, a, I think they were married. They were at least like a long-term couple. I don't know if they're legally married or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but they uh, it's essentially their story of how they met and studied volcanoes together and eventually died in a volcano together oh jeez uh, very romance romantic mm-hmm. uh and sad and and all that but uh very informational really enjoyed that uh that documentary uh so i would recommend that uh then for the thousand one movies you must see before you die i watched salt of the earth which is a movie from 1954 that is about a uh union mine strike uh, like uh, miners were striking because of poor work conditions, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, you don't hear about much from the 50s because I feel like the 50s were very anti-union. Uh, I could be wrong. I'm just speculating. But I know for a fact that uh, Hollywood and the government was against this movie because it was made by a bunch of people who were blacklisted for ties to the Communist Party. And, uh, yeah, you can find out more information. It's a pretty interesting story. I kind of go into it a bit in the September episode, so you can tune into that and hear more about that. Then I watched Worth. We're going to talk about in just a second. And then I watched Winchester 73 for the 1001 movies you must see before you die. Also the September episode of Cinema Bucket List. Um, James Stewart in that. Uh, it's a uh, Western You'll find out more in September. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) But without any further ado, let's get into Worth. shock from the attacks in New York and D.C. reverberate across the entire nation. What we're facing is a national emergency. We are proposing the Treasury Fund offering compensation to the victims. Ken, we'll have to negotiate all settlements. The victims and their families will be compensated based on economic value loss. 
That's where the formula comes in. 80%. Any fewer come aboard, the lawsuits that result could crater the economy. Why is it an equal payment for everybody? My daughters were just as much as anybody in a corner office. My wife died that day, and everything about this formula offends me. Sorry to hear that. But we can't bend the rules for every case. Why not? Congress gives you broad discretion. But when 7,000 citizens ask you not to be treated like some numbers on a spreadsheet, you act like that law came down from Sinai. I know the rules. State law says we were nothing to each other. But I'm the one he called. An attorney in Washington, D.C. battles against cynicism, bureaucracy, and politics to help the victims of 9-11. Yes, directed by Sarah Colangelo, uh, written by Max Borenstein, or Borenstein, who knows? He knows, probably. Presumably. I hope he knows. <laughs> and this is starring Michael Keaton, Amy Ryan, Stanley Tucci, Tate Donovan, Shunori Ramanathan, Talia Balsam, uh, Laura Bonanti, and Chris Tardio, as well as several other people. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, came up on Streaming Roulette. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't really expect much from this movie, because it kind of seemed just like a, uh, a legal procedural yeah. uh, about you know exactly what it's about which is about like payouts for victims of 9-11 and that's essentially what it is it kind of gets into the details a little bit uh Mm -hmm. but it's it's more or less just um to me it felt more like witness testimony more than an actual movie if that makes sense Uh a lot of it, like going through it, I, w- I was enjoying a lot of the parts where you know the 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 victims' families, you know, were were speaking about you know how yeah. much you know uh, they miss their families and you know a dollar can't be put on their death and stuff like that. But then a lot of it felt like when they were going to investigate it, and you know, pardon my French, but it felt like spotlight a lot. And yeah, I actually said how that much as this well. is. Pretty much just felt like a carbon copy of it just because that did really well and then they just kind of made this. Maybe, you know, maybe that's not the exact reason, but, but it, it did just kind of feel like it was kind of like a kind of copy and paste type thing, but just with the events of 9-11 that happened. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, Spotlight is definitely more of a well-made film. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that this isn't well-made, but it's kind of... Uh, you know, it's, there's there's no stakes in it. Like, you know that people are going to get money at the end. It's just a matter of how much money they're going to get. So, like, right off the bat, it doesn't feel like there's there's any stakes in it. Like, yeah. unlike Spotlight, where, uh, you know, like, is this going to be covered up? Is this going to, uh, you know, are we going to do all this work for nothing? This, you knew they were doing the work for something, and something was going to happen in the end. It was just literally just a matter of how much money would be divvied up and everything. Um, so that kind of took away from some of the tension, but it, I, like, like you said, uh, hearing like the stories from family members and everything, uh, was, you know, it was very nice because for, for those of us who were alive, you and I included, uh, mm-hmm. that was kind of a collective trauma we all went through. Oh yeah. Um, Big time. At, at least in the Northeast. I know my wife, she was in Florida. Uh, so they, uh, according to her, they didn't feel as like they knew it was a huge tragedy, but because they're not 90 miles away, like we are, they didn't feel as connected to it. Um, like it didn't feel like an immediate danger to them. Whereas like we're close to Philly. There's a lot of government things in Philly that could be 
potentially attacked in Florida. It's Florida. Who's going to attack Florida? <laughs> yeah, I, I know this was a huge thing for uh, a lot of, at least like either like friends of mine or like brothers of friends of mine for, you know, this whole thing. And then obviously what happened after 9-11 yeah. um, is just like all the wars and all the battles for oil and shit like that and just mm-hmm. how much they felt like they needed to uh, be a part of this war on terrorism after after the fact. And how many, you know, just the attack alone, how many uh, lives it's kind of just ruined from that. Not even, it doesn't even go into detail about that, but like this is just the families of the 9-11 attack yeah. and how crazy. Honestly, it could have... It didn't even go into any of that at all, and I'm just kind of surprised um, that it didn't even mention any of that. Any of the it, wars it, it, after? Yeah, nothing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I do think this was more focused on the uh, the victims um, of the actual attack, which I think is a good thing. Uh, but you know, the the whole thing is like this attorney who's he's been an attorney his entire life, so to him, it's all about helping people get what they can get, knowing that if they try to get more, that they're not probably going to lose. Uh, and I, I work with a lot of lawyers. Uh, uh, one of my gigs I do is I edit videos for lawyers and it really is like a thankless job. Cause like, mm-hmm. it, especially when it comes to like life insurance or, or something like this, where it's like no amount of money is going to bring the person back. And it, it, it unfortunately is a, numbers game where like the number has to be calculated how much this is going to impact those who are still living Um, and it's really just like a thankless task and and I think they did a good job at balancing that where like Michael Keaton in the beginning was just focusing on the numbers and just trying to help people and then decided to like open up and and kind of hear stories and try to change the rules based on the stories so it was kind of good middle ground there um Mm -hmm. but i i really felt for michael keaton's character in the beginning because like everyone was just yelling at him and it's just like he's not the one that did this yeah he's he's just just the messenger trying to get your money (laughs) he's trying to get you what money you can get because if you go to court you will probably lose or keep getting delayed until you give up because mm-hmm. that's unfortunately how insurance companies work. And I know that from doing countless videos on insurance stuff and how, like, all the shitty things that they pull to try to not pay people. Uh, don't trust your insurance company. Never do. Never do. I mean, it's good to have them. I mean, I think you kind of have to have them, but never trust them. So one of the things that I, I kind of appreciated about this movie is uh, right before the attacks happened, they showed, like, the normalcy of the beginning of the day. And that is something that, like, honestly, I kind of forget because of the rest of the day, obviously. Yeah, and how catastrophic everything was around it, but how normal of a day it was just for literally everybody. Yeah, like, obviously, when you didn't know what was going to happen, it had to be a normal start of the day, but it's not something that people really think about. So I Mm -hmm. thought that that was a cool touch, but it just kind of got me, What, if you don't mind me asking, what do you remember of that day? Uh, I remember telling you last week that uh, I, I don't remember almost anything. I just remember asking one specific thing. I think I we got sent home from school early. Like I don't think we watched it. 
and I think that when we or when I saw it on the news, like on TV, I asked my mother. I was like, "Is is this a movie right now? This is a terrible. Oh, this is yeah. a crazy movie." Like I was just, I don't even remember how old I was. I was like eight, I think. So like my brain was just like, "Hmm, that's crazy stuff going on on that yeah. TV right now. That's that's a wild action movie." Lo and behold, it was not an action movie. It was an action life. <laughs> yes, yes, it was. Uh, yeah, but yeah, that's uh, that's all I remember really. Yeah, we didn't get to go home. I was eleven. It was uh, I was actually sixth grade. I think it was like my third week of sixth grade, and uh, so like pretty much right when we got to school, because it happened like early in the morning, like before nine a.m. is when it started to happen. Mm-hmm. And so like throughout the entire day, there was just like. Uh, announcement after announcement asking people to go to the the principal's office and everything and not saying why and all the teachers were acting super weird but they weren't telling us anything and uh then lunch came around and like everyone was just kind of like the people were still talking but it was much more quiet than it normally was because yeah. no one had told us anything and they just kept calling during lunch calling people to go to the principal's office and it was just getting smaller and smaller and then after our lunch uh I was actually in math class, and that's when they had like a, a TV announcement. The principal got on the TV and everything and told us what had happened. And then the rest of the day was literally for the people that were still there. Mm-hmm. All classes were more or less canceled. It was just everything became a study hall, and like teachers would let us ask questions if we had any, which no one had any. And then the bus ride home was so eerily quiet. Like there, it was still like half full, and my bus was super loud. But like that day, like no one said anything to each other colin and i didn't even talk to each other that day oh wow and uh because we we were neighbors um Mm -hmm. and it was just such a eerie feeling and you know i mean that that might even be what happened in my situation my memory's shit just i mean you were eight years old yeah let's let's be honest my memory's always been shit but you were eight years old i was 11 the the memories you have when you're 11 are much Mm -hmm. clearer than when you were eight. yeah um but it's it was it was such an eerie thing to, to go through, you know, and especially, I mean, my, my mom is and was a teacher's aide at the time. So she couldn't go home early to, mm-hmm. to get us out. And my dad is a pastor or was a pastor. He's a chaplain now, which is kind of different from a pastor. But so, you know, he was working the whole day trying to anyone that called him be available for them. So we just stayed in the whole, uh, stayed in school the whole day. And then when we got home, my parents, my mom got home like an hour after us. And then my dad got home, I think like three hours after us or or whatever. So me and my sisters were essentially by ourselves the whole time. And that's not knocking my parents. It's just what happened. Yeah. It's just, so it's a big day. (laughs) Yeah. So we kind of like came into information on our own via our teachers or the news and it was probably the first time that I watched the news for an extended period of time. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, I just remember feeling very nervous and sick to my stomach. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this kind of captured that pretty well uh, yeah, with think, Michael Keaton so looking out the, the train and, and the aftermath of it all. Yeah, you, and it doesn't even show you like what it is. It's just like a reflection in the mirror or like yeah. a, the window of what it is instead of like any other... Uh, thing that would do it in bad taste would show like all all of the craziness. Yeah, yeah. This, um, I mean, this is obviously in, in this, yeah, DC just because there's no skyscrapers, mm-hmm. um, so it's probably the Pentagon. But yeah, just seeing the smoke in the distance was 
I don't want to say classy because you know something like this isn't is never going to be classy. Um, but as, as classy as it could be, uh, with uh, just showing what what little it showed, and then jumping to like a month later or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my favorite person in this was Stanley Tucci, which I mean yeah, isn't Stanley hard Tucci's to say. Great. Man, yeah. man, he really uh he really drove it home, and just immediately like his just very stern character just like oh i'm i'm not here to listen to all you yell at this man i'm here to listen to what the fuck he has to say yeah and uh even though i don't agree with him yeah you know i just want to know what the hell's going on and what they plan to do so i can Mm -hmm. be upset about it and protest about it that was like really cool how he was just very uh just straightforward with his character right from the get-go like he he didn't hold back any punches. He told mm-hmm. uh, Michael Keaton's character exactly how he felt. Yeah, I would really agree. Um, and I like that Michael Keaton's character was imperfect. Like he, you know, he he really wanted to help people, but he also had trouble reading the room. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, more often than not, got him into trouble. But I feel like a lot of people, and th- this kind of bothered me a little bit when uh, Frank Donato, the brother. Uh, of the one firefighter who died and his uh, wife found out, you know, that he, the, her dead, her husband had a a affair and all Mm -hmm. that. The brother, when he was talking to Michael Keaton, kept trying to get him to promise something. And a little fact for you people, uh, lawyers cannot promise you anything because if they do, they are held liable or, or, um, and, and they, they are essentially you could sue them if they promise you something and it doesn't happen. So if mm-hmm. you keep telling someone if you keep telling an attorney to promise you something, they won't just because they can't. I mean they could, but it legally would not be good. Yeah. So I, that when he kept like pushing Michael Keaton to promise him, I was like you even like the the least amount of knowledge for how law works you should know that a lawyer can't promise shit because mm-hmm. it's all just like speculation and what they think will happen and i don't know that just really annoyed me <laughs> i could i could imagine so yeah. um i think one thing that kind of about michael keaton that's kind of been killing me lately is it feels like he's just been in so many of these biopics lately yeah. That it, it, like he was in Founder, he was in Spotlight, and I'm sure, obviously this, I'm sure he's been in something else too. I just can't picture it in my head right now. But uh, I mean, he always does great in them. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, I don't know. I don't know how I exactly feel about it. Yeah, I, I mean, like it, it's all coming off of Our him trial, being Chicago Seven too. Yeah, it's all coming off of him being in Birdman, which Birdman was the role of a lifetime for him. So it's all. Mm-hmm been kind of a a disappointment yeah it's, it's harsh but it is a disappointment after uh birdman you know yes his character got jump started back up but like in bird birdman was such a powerful performance and such a different story that these movies kind of feel a little too safe mm-hmm. and and um i don't want to say boring but you know, I don't. I can't think of a better word. Well, so, so even spotlights, it wasn't boring. Yeah, spotlight it, was really good. But and then, then it, it founder, kind of, founder was interesting. But and then you got this, where it just feels like it's just another. It's the sequel to spotlight yeah. and trial of the Chicago Seven. He's not in it long enough to really judge him in that. But yeah, he, um, 
yeah, it, it seems to be getting less and less. And it's just, I, I think, you know, after Birdman, it's just such, uh, uh, I, I would have liked to see him take weirder, more extreme roles. Yeah, um, he's also getting older, too. That's true. Even though, even though he was just about to play Batman in two movies, you know, uh, yeah. they, both of them are basically on the cutting board right now. So Yeah. <laughs> Kind of hard to find uh, work when your work's Although also Ezra getting Miller cut at the same apologize. time because of other people. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, this movie's fine. Mm-hmm. Didn't really wow me. Um, I, I kind of kept asking my parents questions about that day because my dad was a chaplain at Ground Zero. I yeah. think like a month or two after, like he he went up to New York to kind of I don't know, like kind of. Th- like be I don't know what you would call it, but kind of like therapy, but not official therapy, just like I guess religious leadership. Uh, yeah, he, he went up to New York for that. Um, so like I don't know. Any anytime nine eleven is brought up, I think about that, and I don't know. I feel connected to nine eleven in a way because of that, even though it wasn't me; it was just my dad. But mm-hmm. there was there was one thing that I'm kind of I was curious that they kind of didn't go into at all. Um, there's a character in it named Priya uh, Kundi, I think is the how you pronounce her last name, and she's like a uh, how do we pronounce this in the best way? A Middle Eastern descent, um, and like they don't go into her having like troubles after nine eleven at all. Like you would assume a lot of them yeah. did. Well, um, she the actress is from India, yeah, um, or. Yeah, yeah, according to her IMDb profile. So I think enough people know that that's different, but also at the same time, there's enough people who don't know that it's different. Yeah, but um, like if, so, if you were in 2001 right after that... No, I, I agree. Not, I just, yeah, I'm just, I was kind of surprised they didn't go into that at all and just any yeah. troubles that that character specifically would have probably had. I was, yeah, the, I was expecting it to show up at any time, but it Yeah, the did. closest you get is, is one of the, the victims calls uh, Michael Keaton's character a Jew lawyer. Uh, mm-hmm. His words, not mine, of course. Um, and and again, that was towards his his Jewishness, not yeah. uh, her, like Middle East. But yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, that it was kind of. I mean, I guess it would have detracted from the the main story a bit, but it's also. Yeah. I feel like it also definitely would have happened at some point. It, it most definitely would have happened, especially right after that time. Like, yeah, ev- everybody you know had it hard. Uh, ex- especially them because yeah. they were being falsely accused of being a part of it um, when they were not. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but I mean, other than that, you know, it, it was, it was a good, good movie for the most part. Um, but you know, let, let's just get into the, yeah. into the well, writings. So that does it for our review for Worth. That brings us to the judgment. As always, it needs to be a unanimous decision whether or not it goes to the KFR shelf with the likes of Apostle and Handmaiden. Uh, this was streaming roulette, so I guess I could just go first. Hmm. Uh, I thought it was a decent movie. It didn't wow me. Uh, you're right. It kind of felt like it was trying to copy Spotlight, but kind of failed with the emotional punch aspect of it. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we knew that people were going to get money at the end and it wasn't a 
uh, a huge question mark throughout the movie. Also, a big um, thing is with with Spylight, like you found out how many people were being affected by it yes. versus you know how many is being affected by it right off yes. the bat. Yeah, I think I think when it happened, people. I don't know how true this is, but I, I heard someone or I read something that was just like everyone is with within one degree of someone who died in nine eleven, meaning you know mm-hmm. someone who knows someone who died in nine eleven. Yeah, um, I don't know how true that is, of course, but uh, so yeah, everyone is kind of connected in that way. So it, you're right, like in Spotlight, it, it it is absolutely just overwhelming how many people were affected. Mm-hmm. And in this, it's just like, yeah, it's right off the bat. There's no surprises or anything. Yep. Uh, so I think with that in mind, again, fine movie, but I, I don't think it, it, it has enough there to really uh, be be put on the shelf. Yeah, I'm pretty much right there with you, you know. Yeah. Um, the fine movie, I really like Stanley Tucci. Michael Keaton was great and uh, kind of everybody else who played in it. But, you know, it just, just didn't have the same punches that any other uh, of the type of movie really had, Yeah, you know, sadly. Sadly. So, Worth does not make it on the KFR show for the likes of Apostle and Handmaid, and that brings us to our assignment for next week. It is my turn to pick a movie. A uh, little fun fact, it's our last round before we get into the KFR annual spooktacular. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this one won't be a horror movie. Or will it? It won't be. <laughs> but uh, I, growing up, and still kind of really like the old steampunk sci-fi novels of the 1800s, like H.G. Wells and Jules Verne and uh, such like that. Uh, so uh, I'm the, the movie I'm picking is based off a book by Jules Verne, which is was one of my favorite books growing up, and that is 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, and that it will be available on Disney+. Plus. The motion picture screen explodes with unprecedented power. As the two masters of imagination, Jules Verne and Walt Disney, join to bring you a shattering new experience in entertainment. Read by countless millions, translated into 18 languages, this classic adventure is a story of measureless scope, fraught with fantastic beauty and danger. Four great stars give the spark of life to its leading characters in a series of inspirational performances. Ship sent to investigate a wave of mysterious sinkings encounters the advanced submarine, the Nautilus, commanded by Captain Nemo. Uh, it is directed by Richard Fleischer, written by Earl Felton, based on the novel by Jules Verne, uh, starring Kirk Douglas, James Mason, Paul Lucas, Peter Lorre, uh, Robert J. Wilk, Ted DeCorsia, Carlton Young, uh, J.M. Kerrigan, and many, many others. Uh, but yeah, I really like these kinds of things. I, I liked them more when I was a kid, but I still enjoy them from time to time. And I've been meaning to watch this for a while. Uh, and uh, figured, we let's just do it. Oh, I found it. I was looking at the <laughs> the 1997 one with oh, Michael yeah. Caine, and I'm like, oh, that's not any of the people he named. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a few of them. Sorry, the 1954 version mm-hmm. uh, with Kirk Douglas is the one we're, wa- we're watching. Uh, I know for a fact that I have seen part of this uh, when I was at a family friend's house, you know, it was just on the TV, and the uh, for the time, the the effects of it 
are pretty impressive if I remember correctly. But I was also like 12 when I saw that. I would, that, I would, that I would imagine 1954. They've, <laughs> it's pretty either going to be crazy yeah. or just like, oh, wow, that's a that's a bottle going across the sea, not a submarine. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, our assignment for next week is 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Thank you, everyone, for listening. As always, you can check out our website at www.keystonefilmreview.com. On Instagram, we are Keystone underscore film underscore review. Twitter, Keystone underscore film. Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube, Keystone Film Review. And on Letterboxd, I am Mike KFR. And I'm Glenn KFR. Oh, he fell back into the well. And that <laughs> will do it until next week when we hold our breath for two hours and seven minutes because we'll be underwater. Yes. Can we do it? Hopefully. Can we shatter Tom Cruise's... Uh, world record, which was sh- then shattered by Kate Winslet's world record <laughs> of seven minutes. Can we beat it by two hours? That's a real question. I mean, come on. They're just trained Hollywood actors. No big deal. Yeah. Goodbye, yeah. everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.